Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, guys. Morning, guys. Okay. And Shackwood, from the world's strictest COVID-19 restrictions, 2023 was expected to be a bounce back for China's economy, yet the economy faces many problems. Sluggish consumer spending, a shaky property market, declining exports, record youth unemployment, and rising local government debt. Gross domestic product grew at a slower pace, slower than expected rate of 5.5% in the first half of the year compared with a year earlier. Consumer spending growth has weakened notably and property investment is contracting. China's real estate sector is unraveling and the risks are spreading to the country's $60 trillion financial system. And this is putting the government's 5% economic growth target at risk. Last week, China eased its mortgage policies to help a slump in its residential property market and revive growth in the world's second largest economy. So here's the question. What's, what's going on in China and why is this a problem for the U.S.? I mean, look, so first of all, uh, at five and a half percent GDP growth, uh, that's targeted uh, by the central government. There's no way that they are hitting those numbers, uh, at all. Um, you know, I would think that's around half of that probably, uh, maybe in the three percent range GDP wise, which is, uh, below ours. You have to remember 70 percent of all Chinese, uh, wealth is, is tied to their housing market. So they got 70% of their, of the media, of average net worth in China tied directly to the housing market. That had the worst month, right? In decades, uh, real estate in China was down about 9% month over month. Uh, this is putting a lot of duress uh, on the banking system, obviously, and the individual consumers. Uh, the government came out, uh, last night. Uh, or over the weekend, rather, um, and they're talking about boosting the equity markets to try to boost confidence. Uh, they're taking away some taxes, a postage uh, tax on trading. They're thinking about elongating the hours that the markets are open there to kind of, you know, make sure that their financial system is, is coming along. Um, and I, I think that, you know, when you look at the demographics, uh, Mike and uh, Zach pointed out earlier, um, you know, you've had a one-child policy um, for four or five decades now, and that's given birth to a lot more men uh, than female population. And now uh, demographics are coming home uh, to really hurt uh, the Chinese, much like we heard in the 80s how Japan was going to take over everything. Um, you know, they bought Rockefeller Center, Pebble Beach, they owned global real estate holdings that were vast. And then what happened? Uh, the demographics gave up and the population aged. And, you know, for years, we've read about this problem with China, and I think that's part of it uh, that's coming home. Certainly, um, the tariffs uh, that have been enforced in the U.S., and I think globally, uh, nations stop trading with each other and kind of, you know, uh, sourcing more internally, especially in the U.S., uh, has a huge effect also, and uh, that cannot be discounted. So um, it's something to watch. Uh, the Chinese stocks are not trading well right now. The dollar is in an okay spot, right? And we're sourcing a lot more stuff uh, from the U.S., especially uh, lower uh, uh, lower production items are coming from, you know, more South America also. Um, so I think it's going to be a rough time for China for uh, some time to come. Only so much stimulus the government can give out uh, before that does not run out, as we all know, right? I mean, we're dealing with that in the bond markets every day here, right? So how long can you go on for? There are two really important dynamics to this and you kind of hit on them really hard 
the housing market is going to be a big problem there long term. If you actually, you know, take a step back and yeah. conceptualize this, their one child policy is significantly going to hurt family formation at some point in the future. So people are going to buy. There's going to be fewer people to actually buy houses and homes and they overbuilt. They have overcapacity. So you have excess supply and potentially a significant lack of demand, which is a remarkably negative factor. And then on top of that, unit labor costs in terms of employing someone in China have risen considerably over the last 15 years. You're seeing remarkably less foreign direct investment in China now than you have been at any point in the last really 20 some odd years. So as that foreign direct investment dries up, you have less money coming into the country, which is a real, real significant GDP headwind that's just not going to be there anymore. So there's a significant number of problems there. The, the biggest positive is their lack of inflation and maybe even deflation right now due to this, uh, these issues within their housing market. So is this good for the U.S. or is it not so good for the U.S.? If it has the potential, it's not good for the world. When the world's second largest economy is struggling like this, I, it's it's a pretty material negative. But ultimately, I do believe that if there is a lack of inflation there and a slowdown, and other areas around the world are able to kind of ward that off to some degree, it could be a positive because it removes the global inflationary dynamic to some degree. Okay, <clears throat> here's the second question. What's the situation with stock buybacks? How many billions of dollars are flowing back into the stock market because of these buybacks and how much per day? Are the buybacks pushing the market higher? And is this happening more in the S&P or in the NASDAQ? And what would make them dry up? Is there some reason the C-suite would stop doing it? Is this a distortion investors need to be aware of or something to take advantage of? Well, it's definitely something to certainly be aware of because the level of buybacks do have a way of to some degree putting a floor beneath the price of a particular stock. Now, what's really important to consider is that from a corporate capital structure, buybacks can be important because if a company is buying back its own stock, it believes it's going to get a higher rate of return on investing in that stock versus investing in something else. So last year, you saw buybacks total about $1.22 trillion dollars. And so far this year, I believe they've been running at roughly around the same clip. You saw a lot of companies really boost their buyback initiatives as the market really declined and they wanted to try to buoy their own stock prices. A lot of companies had a significant amount of cash. But the fact of the matter is, as you transition to this 2023 time period versus late 2021, early 2022, cash has and, and U.S. Treasuries have a significant yield right now. So for a company to execute a buyback in this particular point in time, they have to not need to raise additional capital at any point in the future because that's a depletion of their cash. Um, and simultaneously, their stock price has to jump over that hurdle of what their rate of return is potentially going to be in the treasury market. So I do think that you're probably going to see a deceleration and decrease in buybacks, which could potentially exacerbate more volatility at some point in the future. So all of this feeds back in together. But I do think if you see the markets get a little bit more volatile, companies will begin to reaccelerate their buyback programs to try to mitigate any declines and offset the value of the stock. Okay, guys, that was great. Um, and if you'd like to submit a question, send it to our email address, which is question at qquestiontuesday.com, and we'll be back next week.